0: đẩy đã hoàn thành quản quản nó mở lên trên bước vào bắn 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 TPN, welcome back to the Pilot Network Podcast. I'm Matt, co-host of the show. And recently, a new EU regulation is mandated that by February of 2021, all commercial and air transport operators in the Europe in Europe and the United Kingdom are required to implement a pilot support program, which includes the use of trained peers. And a similar recommendation was made by the Pilot Fitness Aviation Rulemaking Committee, established by the US is FAA, asking carriers to develop an effective pilot assistance program. So for us, from a pilot perspective, health is a really important topic when it comes to our livelihood, the safety of our passengers and our crew. Uh, And this really relies on us being physically and mentally ready whenever we show up to fly. Anything that puts our medical into jeopardy uh, it can all too often be ignored or pushed aside, and mental health is one of those things that can be a really uncomfortable topic for all of us uh, to talk about because it it really shines a light on something that is easy to forget, easy to not pay attention to. So to help me with that, uh, we, we wanted to welcome uh, Nick Goodwin to the show as our guest today. And it, Nick is the lead of the Pilot and Human Performance Project on behalf of the United Kingdom's Civil Aviation Authority, and he's a subject matter expert in human factors, human performance, and crew resource management. Uh, As Nick is developing a national program designed to support the the UK's commercial pilots and promoting and supporting their whole health and well-being, uh, Nick has amassed uh, over 4,500 hours of jet, multi-engine, and rotary experience Uh, And Over his 36-year career career as a military and civilian pilot uh, and instructor examiner, uh, he's really had a focus on flight operations, learning development, and specializing in flight crew welfare, personal growth, and as, as I said, human factors, human performance, and crew resource management. Uh, in 2015, Nick accepted a position for the uh, UK Civil Aviation Authority and then left the RAF in 2016 to become the Director of Elite Performance Training, working with commercial air transport sectors, and then rejoined the CAA in 2018 to undertake the Pilot Peer Assistance Project as the lead of the Pilot Performance Project. Nick after all that welcome to the show thank you so much for being here
1: <laughs> matt thank you very much for having me
0: yeah so it, i guess to start us off can you tell us a little bit of, uh, let's just start off with uh telling us a little bit more about what the pilot performance project is and and the peer assistance project in general uh and what this means for uh, european pilots but you know I, I think it applies globally as well
1: mm, i would agree um So really, I'd like to focus on uh, the, as you mentioned, Matt, the European regulation that is called uh, support programmes, which is really focusing down on uh, the whole health and well-being of commercial uh, air transport pilots, flight crew. And really, uh, I believe it also looks beyond that to to all safety critical uh, personnel employed around flight air operations, so I would include air traffic controllers, engineers, uh, cabin crew, importantly as well. The regulation focuses on commercial air transport pilots. And the essence of it is to ensure that those of us who, who work in that sector are the best that we can be when we turn up to do that safety critical job. And probably to be aware that uh, as an industry, uh, maybe we it's, it's a conversation that's really relevant now and In Europe, we experienced one or two uh, incidents that led us to start to focus on whole health and well-being, and particularly on perhaps uh, sort of mental health as well as our physical health. And I think uh, we would all be very minded that in the current pandemic, uh, it has been, I think, particularly relevant that we need to be very aware of how we are uh, and making sure that we are the best we can be when we are doing that job that we do.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned some some incidents that have highlighted the the need to discuss mental health for pilots and those sorts of things. Without getting into the details, in your experience, what have you found uh, amongst working with pilots, both military and commercial, uh, that that really makes it difficult for them? To to discuss this and handle it, and and what resources are out there for them, uh, you know. Obviously, this program, I think, uh, is is designed to combat that difficulty. But can you talk a little bit about what you've seen uh, as as the way pilots generally handle this on their own or, or don't, uh, and then you know, what are some ways that we would wish that that they would approach it?
1: Matt, I think that um, in general, I think there's a perception out uh, that. Um, you know, pilots are—they—they are, they, they are a, a, a wonderful breed of people. They have a unique skill set. Very resilient people in general. They're great problem solvers, and you know, they work in a, a really challenging environment. I, I'm not sure there are many other working environments that are such a, a unique blend of the physical, the psychological, uh, the physiological to actually do the job effectively. And I think many people's perception of pilots in that respect is that they're, you know, very used to working in a very high workload environment, you know, that they just have this unique ability to be calm and present under immense pressure to make the right decisions, the right calls at the right times. And we have you know, fantastic evidence of that uh, in, in, in our past. But the reality is also that uh, pilots are human like everybody else uh, and like everybody else. You know, we, we can be influenced by those uh, interferences in life, those uh, those external and, and sometimes internal voices that, that mean that sometimes you can find yourself distracted uh, or possibly even just not working at your best because there are just life events that are, are interfering with your ability to focus on the job in hand. And I think there was an opportunity uh, in Europe some years ago in about 2015 that enabled EASA, the European Aviation Safety Agency, uh, supported uh, very strongly by the UK Civil Aviation Authority, to so be able to look at, uh, at the, the, the context of mental health of pilots to ensure that, uh, that actually there are supports available. You know, if there is that temporary degradation in one's own ability and capacity to do the job well, and to know where you could get support to, to help you to uh, get back to the best you could be. And really, that was the genesis that enabled and then uh, actioned the the regulation that the EU produced in 2018. Moving on a little bit from your first question, the second question is what's out there available? I think we've learned lessons from around the world. And and indeed, I think the United States were quite forward leaning in this uh, with their programs around peer support and support programs. That actually, there's more we could do. Um, You know, there is bias there is stigma around mental health and perhaps pilots in particular are aware of that and and the 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 challenges that come with that bias and that stigma so i think any programs that start to build uh, a picture that sort of dismisses that that bias dismisses that stigma enables pilots to to share their experiences more is going to be very positive for safety in the long term so this regulation is about enabling that sort of support to become more prevalent.
0: Sure. And it, just talking about the regulation specifically, what what does it mandate in terms of, is it more for the company uh, or the pilots uh, themselves or, or a little bit of both?
1: First of all, Europe has taken quite a lead in actually positioning a regulation to to make a requirement to do some of this work. The regulation requires all commercial air transport operators to allow their flight crew, uh, their pilots, to have access to what is broadly called a support programme. And that regulation is due for implementation by the 14th of February next year. Support programmes, in a way, to to break it down into a a fairly simple way of explaining this, Support programmes is about ensuring that operators put in place. So it is the responsibility of uh, commercial air transport operators to ensure that their pilots have access to these support programmes. In general, it's about an awareness, building an awareness of of how factors can influence your uh, mental health and whole health and wellbeing. And it's also then to raise awareness about where to go for that help and support. Uh, That could be broadly through employment programs, well-being programs, other support networks. But what I think is really exciting about this particular regulation is the use of pilot peers. That would be something that certainly uh, airlines in the US will be very familiar with through uh, a number of programs that run there. But I think it's something that we will learn to uh, embrace uh, very closely in in Europe and in the UK, the idea of having... Uh, pilots trained to become peers, where other pilots who perhaps feel they want that support can go to in that first instance, that early, early referral, if you like, where they recognise that there's something not quite right in the way that they're acting and and behaving and being able to be doing doing their job.
0: In your experience, or or from your perspective uh, as a as a someone who's really paid attention and, and focused on on this topic, what are some indicators that? any pilot can do as they're, as they're preparing to show up for a flight. And they're, they're kind of, I think we all are trained early on to, to take some self-reflection and, and uh, just, you know, take a quick look at how we feel that day. Most of the time we focus on the physical aspect or, or how much sleep we got or how tired we are. Fatigue management is, is definitely a topic that is often talked about, but what are some some early warning signs or some things that we should be looking out for on the the emotional, the mental health spectrum as well?
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, pilots, you know, do the job that they do because first of all, they've shown that they have those uh, great skills uh, and behaviors and they have the aptitude to withstand the, the stresses and strains of the job that we do. But as I said earlier on, we are human after all. Perhaps I'll give you an analogy that my, people may, may recognise. You, know, um, you know, you're know, you the long-haul pilot who's about to go away for four or five days, down route somewhere. You know, you're having breakfast in the morning. You have a row with the kids because the kids haven't done their homework correctly or whatever it may be. You're, uh, you're slightly distracted because the bill's come through you weren't expecting. You look into the corner and you see that your lovely little puppy is having a little, little wee on your flight bag. Uh, and you realize you're a bit late, you're just about to go out the door, the washing machine explodes, and your partner in life turns around to you and goes, and where are you going for the next five days? You know, when you when you uh, report to work that day, you know, it's quite likely that just being human means you're distracted. You know, your, your mind's thinking about how you can support your family, solutionize, as I said earlier on about, you know, pilots love to have solutions. But, you know, just maybe that, that's a, a, a scenario where, Sometimes life is starting to build up and and you recognize you get on the flight deck and and maybe actually sometimes the release is just closing that door, being with your your first officer or whatever, and just going, wow, what a day I've had so far, you know, and just sharing you know just the challenges of life. Perhaps to be more serious, so you know I, I, I brush on some 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 of the challenges there, but it is in our in the experience of pilot support programs, so often, it is those day-to-day stresses and strains that in themselves we deal with one-on-one, but over a period of time can just build up and can build up in the subconscious. You know, So you think you can cope, you think you can handle with, with all of those, those individual challenges. But maybe people around you, your friends, your family, your peers may notice that uh, you're not quite the guy or girl or the person that you normally be. You might be just a little bit quieter Maybe a bit more irascible. It may be a little bit more difficult to get your focus when you want to. And I think some of those are the signs, you know, that we might all recognize in ourselves and we've seen in other people that you just say, you know, maybe that's when we want to reach out and, and and have that support in those sort of consequences, those sort of circumstances. Sure.
0: And that makes sense. And, and you know, it I kind of uh, in my mind I, I think of it a little bit like identifying your hypoxia symptoms. You know, uh, maybe you get a little, a little euphoria, a little tingling in your fingertips. Uh, but maybe as, as life stressors, you know, maybe it's uh, person interpersonal issues with your, your spouse, your significant other, or your kids. Uh, uh, maybe it's financial. It, there, there's an entire spectrum of stressors that we are, as pilots, very good at compartmentalizing. You know, the task at hand is, is what we're focusing on. Uh, but like you said, I think that that has the tendency to add up, you know, those additive factors as we like to talk about that coupled with physiological and fatigue management and, and increased automation in the cockpit. They're all things that that kind of paint a picture that on a good weather day or when a flight is completely normal uh, may not be a problem. But what we really need to focus on is is that day where uh, the weather is terrible. You're doing an unexpected divert or you're, you're God forbid you're dealing with some sort of uh, in-flight emergency or, or a passenger problem of some sort. So that, that's always like, it, it, I know for me, compartmental compartmentalization is something is the first kind of tool in my, in my, my bag that I go to, but sometimes it's just good to uh, work through some of that with someone. And, you know, I, I think a lot of the stigma is, I don't want to go to a a psychologist or or therapist of some sort and and can you speak to a little bit of why you think that the peer support aspect of this program is is so important?
1: Matt, I think that uh, the idea, the concept of pilot peers is uh, a real, uh, really enlightening understanding of uh, how pilots think and behave. You know, I think you alluded to it yourself, you know, pilots have a status, they have a role to play, and that's very important to who and uh, who they are and, and how they are perceived. And sometimes that can be a barrier to actually sharing about the more difficult things that are going on for somebody. And the evidence is that pilots, in general, are often reluctant to talk about anything other than what maybe seemed appropriate on the outside to, to actually really anybody. Um, Kind of the challenge was that we, we explored in, in Europe when, when formulating this, this regulation was the idea, well, if you know pilots don't talk to perhaps you know, their AME, their doctor, they may not talk to a psychiatrist, a psychologist in the first instances about these challenges that may be developing within themselves. They may not even be talking with their partners at home. Who do they talk to? And really the answer was, and the evidence is, that uh, pilots will talk to each other. And it's about having that shared experience. You know, when, when you're talking to a pilot, you know, you believe that the other person understands you because they've walked that walk. You know, they understand the environment. They, they understand the stressors, They live with those same stressors, And it's, in a way, you know, the perception is it's kind of, well, only a pilot would understand a pilot, you know. If that's true or not, that's a, that's a great question. But you know, really, that's what the premise behind using trained pilot peers in this support role is. Is so in that first early instant, pilots will share with each other, uh, and if that's done in a in a very confidential way, so that there's trust uh, and a belief that it's uh, you know not, you know your, your your sort of slightly more personal story will will remain there for that time being is a really powerful way of, of then being able to share that with somebody else. I would say at this point, though, that, you know, it's about being a, uh, a pilot peer is about just that, being a pilot peer. You know, we are not expecting ourselves as peers or, or others to be the mental health professionals. And it really is for that early intervention to have that early support. And also maybe in having those conversations, if you identify that perhaps there is something a little bit more deep-seated, which is a little bit more challenging, a little bit beyond the scope of the sort of that early referral. Then it's also supporting that individual to know where they can get that next level, that next tier of help.
0: And and sometimes it's very you know it, it, you can't always identify that for yourself as clearly as mm. as an external observer might be able to do. You know, it that's one of those things that uh, just having a, a an objective third-party perspective on you know to talk through some of this stuff and and say maybe you need to talk with someone at the next level here or or maybe we can just talk this out and, and and work it out in the pub you know after a flight or something like that so as as the pilot peers are trained uh in in this program what sort of uh instruction and and training are you developing for them and and what does that look like as as someone uh, wants to volunteer or be assigned the role of a pilot peer?
1: In, um, in the United Kingdom, as there is across Europe, there are already a number of our uh, airline operators uh, have uh, programmes in place, um, and they're doing some fantastic work uh, with, with their pilot peers. In the UK Civil Aviation Authority, we have developed a, a three-day training course Uh, which is in line with the regulation about what are the skills and knowledge that we can give to potential volunteers who wish to do this work as pilots. Uh, And I'm going to quickly say, but uh, we might come back to this, not necessarily always a pilot, but almost always it'll be a pilot volunteer. So the sort of skills that we're looking for really are people who will first of all understand. So we will give uh, some knowledge around... uh, aspects around awareness of mental health, what can impact mental health, impacts health and well-being. Also understanding the regulation and what it requires, understanding what the role of the mental health professionals and other medical professionals would be. But then for the pilot peers themselves, what we want to do is empower them with some skills around uh, really uh, active, deep listening, empathy, unconditional positive regard, the ability to be present with somebody uh, and to understand it from their point of view, to sort of almost feel it from their shoes. But at the same time, to to have that step away, as you sort of talked about, Matt, you know, where from a third party point of view, you may just see something uh, that maybe that individual knows that there's something there, but there's something to stopping them talking about it at that point. And it's just giving them that opportunity to, just explore their own feelings, their own awareness uh, in a very safe and confidential environment. Then there's also an, another element, which is something we alluded to as well, which is to listen really well uh, to that individual, and perhaps also to identify whether there's something a little bit more deep going on that actually may require that, that extra help and support. And then the role of the peer is to empower that individual, to empower that pilot who's looking for that support to know where to go to get that extra help and and even to help them do that. It's a challenging role and it's a hugely, I would say it's a great privilege uh, to do that role, to support somebody uh, in those conversations. Uh, And it's humbling because you realize that, you know, we're all in that same boat together somehow. Um, And uh, it's a very rewarding job, but it it, it comes with great responsibility too. And and in a way, I think that's what makes it uh, very exciting.
0: Absolutely. You, you mentioned the confidential confidentiality uh, of that environment and the interaction with a peer. So uh, let, let's say for the sake of argument, let's say that uh, I, I recognize that I've got some some life stressors and additive factors that I'd like to uh, meet up with a pilot peer. W- what does that interaction look like? And how is it facilitated? And, and what level of privacy and confidentiality can I expect from from that sort of initial conversation?
1: So uh, I'll start with the regulation because the regulation was really powerful in this and very strong. Um, It recognized very quickly uh, that peer assistance, pilots talking to other pilots in in this way, will only work if there is this belief of trust and confidentiality. So the regulation is very, very strong on saying that when operators are required to make this provision, and this can be done either if they're a big enough company internally or very often, as is in the UK, being done by uh, external providers that actually gives a, a level of assurance and independence that, uh, that those conversations are done in that trusted and confidential way. What the regulation says is that we, you know, we want to establish the ability to have these conversations. But actually, you know, how do we maintain that trust? So the concept that many of the operators and the model that we use, which is a model really that, that would recognize in the United States with your airlines too, is this idea of having a, a safe zone, the idea that the pilots in the safe zone and whoever they're talking to, the peer, it, it, we're, we're being held in that very trusted, confidential environment. It, it, it's very difficult to build that trust and confidence and it's very easy to destroy it. But the evidence we've had, both in programmes that are running in the UK, in Europe, and, and definitely from uh, other parts of the world that have done this, is that it is possible. And, it, and it's really important to do that. And what we've also found is that operators get that as well. They understand the benefit for it. There's a really good working relationship between operators, the peers... the the medical health professionals who support the peers and the pilots themselves, that this is something that will work very, very well. And it it is proven to be very effective. And what we are finding is that in established programmes, probably between 85 and 95 percent of the conversations that happen between the pilot and the peer actually just stay within the pilot and the peer. And of the remainder, a few require a referral with the agreement of that pilot, and therefore it's maintained within that trust and confidentiality zone with an additional medical, potentially, or professional help. Mm-hmm. Um, it is exceedingly rare uh, that there is a position where that has to be broken. And I think the strength of this is because the pilots ask for help in the first place. They've taken the, the, the biggest mm-hmm. and hardest step which is to ask for that help in the first place, and I think that's what makes this program really exciting, but but valuable and worthwhile too. Sure, no,
0: that makes sense. And you know, is there anything punitive or or any risk to the pilot in in taking that first step and talking with a peer? Is there anything that could put their career at jeopardy? Uh, or you know, is that is that something that they need to be very cautious about, or is it something that uh, especially for the EU regulation, I mean, you said it, it, privacy is built into that, but uh, and you're absolutely right. You, without the fear of having that be made public, or or the confident, confidentiality issue, but from a perspective of your job and your career and your position with the company, how how is that approached, and and what uh, should a pilot seeking a, a conversation with a peer uh, on this sort of topic? What, what should they expect with regards to that?
1: I think, Matt, what, what you've just encompassed there is actually the, the the real cornerstone to why this regulation is important. I think we recognise that, you know, as I said, pilots uh, have this perception of who they are and how they operate. And it's very important because pilots, you know, would really worry if they felt that anything that they said or did might result in you know uh, a loss of status, uh, maybe a, a loss of licence even in the worst, worst case. Actually, the statistics around this uh, prove that to be not the case. Uh, and in the UK, uh, for example, pilots who do actually self-report on, on uh, perhaps a, uh, uh, um, an emotional or psychological issue, almost without exception, manage to get a return to fly. Uh, and there is no loss of license. In very, very rare cases, there may be something there. But I don't want that to detract from the concept of this regulation, which is, it actually said, yeah, we get that pilots do worry about loss of license, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole point about pilot peers is to mitigate against that fear. You know, by talking to a pilot peer in the first instance, in that confidential and trusted zone, it's about being able to share exactly those fears with somebody, which may be the the, the causal factor. The important thing is, again, I go back to it, is because you can use the support programs in this context well, that pilot's actually already asked for that help. So actually they understand that they will be able to take a pathway that will get them to wherever they need to be in their support mm-hmm. uh, and will, will be able to handle that. And in a way it gives them that feeling of control that actually is really, really valuable. In Certainly in Europe and in the UK, I, we do recognize that there is the potential that a pilot peer may find that they are talking to somebody who is indicating perhaps harm to self or harm to others or, or has had a flagrant uh, disregard or has either gone against SOPs or company policies or law. Now, again, the the pilot peer's role is to empower the individual to take that responsibility themselves and get the help that they require to do that. And indeed, pilot peers, what we say is, before that conversation even starts, you actually enter a, a contract, if you like, with the pilot and say the whole way this works is about trust and independence. But, you know, these are the odd and very, very rare circumstances where I would have to break that confidence. Um, uh, and again, the, the evidence is it, is it is very, very rare to see that if it all happened.
0: Sure. And it seems like that's an important safeguard, you know, if, if the peer recognizes a, a safety issue or, or that the pilot... You know, potentially has has some uh, some factors that have really escalated it to the point where they could harm themselves or or potentially someone else. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it's nice that that protection is in place and and that that is uh, discussed with the pilot uh, first and foremost. I think that's important: is that you know everyone knows exactly what they're doing and and hopefully, uh, just as you mentioned, the fact that they're having that discussion in the first place. Uh, is is a great step to avoiding it getting anywhere close to that point, and I think that is uh, a pretty important aspect to this whole thing. So, a, as a quick segue uh, for peers, uh, how do how would they go about being designated as a pilot peer and, and being trained? What what's the mechanism in place? Uh, that that you're working on right now?
1: So, Matt, that will depend on sort of the entry point of where pilot peers want to give that support. So, for example, in the United Kingdom, there are uh, many operators, either independently themselves or working collaboratively with other operators, are creating support programs and as part of the support programs, are asking for volunteers to come forward to be pilot peers. Those pilot peers... Uh, We'll often go through a selection process, uh, often with uh, either uh, another company pilot peer who's already in place. Uh, The people who run companies will be part of that process. And often the uh, interviews or selection process will involve mental health professionals as well. And the idea is that you'll select those individuals who've just shown that aptitude, shown the desire and shown the the, the skills already to, to be Really good in this role. And then those individuals will go through a period of training, such as we're offering with the Central, uh, with the Civil Aviation Authority. One important part that we've identified, particularly in the UK, about this, is that when the peers are trained um, and are now working in the environment with pilots, they themselves need to be very carefully supported. And actually, this is really uh, for us the, the role of the mental health professional, as well as their uh, other peer supporters themselves to have an environment whereby peers can uh, share their their experiences with each other in a sort of a continuous professional development way. But most importantly is, if a peer is working with a pilot who's asked for support, that peer themselves has access to a a mental health professional. And in the UK, we've uh, strongly advocated that would be a clinical psychologist who has some aviation knowledge, uh, if you like, an aviation psychologist. So that they themselves, the peers themselves, get that level of support and, and know that when they're having those conversations, they're, they're asking the right questions, they're giving the right uh, empowerment back to those pilots, but also equally learning themselves as where they could do better or more of in, in the future to, to, to grow themselves as, as pilot peers
0: sure no it, that sounds great and you know talking about uh, we we mentioned it before the training course that that CAI is is developing uh, and you said that it's a 3 day course uh, what, what are those uh, what do those 3 days look like is it virtual is is it in person i know right now during uh, pandemic times that's probably a little bit more difficult but what uh, what can pilot peers expect for that sort of training
1: so, so on our Civil Aviation Authority course, uh, our three days, and we would look to do this face to face. I strongly believe that the nature of this work, best done where you're in the room and holding that confidence, even when you're doing the training, uh, you can build within the, the, the people who've come on the course, a great sense of uh, empathy and sympathy and, and confidence, confidentiality and trust. Uh, And because you're talking about very complex uh, and difficult subjects at times, you know, uh, it's good to do that face to face. On the three days, the first day will be very much about learning about each other. It'll be talking about the regulation, about what the responsibilities are of a peer, how the model of peer uh, assistance will work. We will then have a, a module which is all from our medical department around the role of mental health professionals, where the regulation meets uh, other aeromedical regulation, and also what the protocols are for enabling people if they actually have those slightly deep-seated problems to ensure that they get the best possible support and return to fly as quickly as possible. Uh, The second day, uh, we have a module which is all about just mental health awareness and just uh, understanding and reminding ourselves what all of those uh, different elements are. And then what we'll do is we'll move into uh, developing the skill sets around uh, active and deep listening, around empathy, around resilience, uh, and around uh, having conversations uh, and building trust, rapport, uh, uh, and all of the things that will bring uh, to the table, the great skills of a pilot peer. And that will then lead into the, the last sort of almost day and a half, which is, actually practical experience what we'll do is we'll develop scenarios for our trainee pilot peers to work with each other uh, uh to have those conversations and just to see where they go and and it'll be very experiential it'll be very uh learning orientated but it's very practical it's to to really feel that you've had that lived experience and again what we'd hope is that people who come on our course will will bring their own experiences to that and their own their own um, maybe sometimes their own challenges even, you know, that they've experienced in the past that makes them feel that they want to do this work now to support others. Sure.
0: And I know the EU is obviously leading the charge with this sort of thing. And, and uh, the U S and other North American airlines that it, it have not quite moved into that step. There's some informal company based programs and and various things for uh, uh, drug and alcohol addiction and, and various other things like that. And I know Mental health and and well being in general is spoken about and oftentimes covered with with health insurance in various manners. Um, but for for EU pilots specifically, um, if they want to become a pilot peer, w- what's the best way that they can uh, go about getting involved with the training uh, it, and uh, becoming a volunteer for the program in general?
1: Uh, so I'll answer that first and then I'd love to talk a little bit more about uh, a couple of other things you raised because I thought they are really important too. So in the UK a, lo- a lot of companies will have uh, support programmes up and running or they're developing at the moment and there'll be opportunities and there are opportunities already to volunteer within those programmes. We also uh, are very excited to look beyond uh, individual operators, to uh, which is why we've set up this training course, is to perhaps build a pool of uh, pilot peers who can then offer their services, perhaps to the smaller operators. Uh, you know, We, we have um, probably around 150 commercial air transport operators in the UK, probably around 15,000 commercial air transport pilots. And they are from you know, our very big national carriers down to very small operators, maybe only three or four pilots. Uh, we have a very, very vibrant rotary, both onshore and offshore business. And we want to be able to make sure that there is the opportunity for people to come and train as a peer and then offer themselves back within company programmes going through whatever selection process they may offer. Uh, So we'd like to think that there'll be a number of opportunities for people to come and explore that. And they can clearly come to us through our website uh, and and look at our courses. I I think you mentioned something there, which is really important. and, And I'd actually, if I may, say that whilst we're leading in Europe with regulation, Uh, I personally and we in Europe have learned so much from uh, America uh, and Australia and others who've had pilot support programs running for way, way longer and have done such great work. And I think you you raise an interesting point, because one of the learns from America that I I took up from some some of the research I did was that there is uh, often a a bit of a focus uh, around things such as um, substance addiction or overuse or or abuse even and we would be very minded of that in the uk and, and europe as well but i would like to to say and we and i would say actually in that is uh, i i as in in the united states uh we have a lot of uh, really good engagement and support from our pilot union uh, representative organizations as well who do great work in this area too I think it's important to uh, recognise uh, things such as drug and alcohol uh, addiction. And, and we would never wish to see that uh, in commercial air transport operations, you know. But, you know, we, we are realistic. It, it can happen. And so, again, whilst pilot peer support programmes uh, and the broader support programmes are very much about awareness about those more important issues uh, and where to get help for them, What we'd say to a pilot peer, though, is if they felt that they were engaged with somebody, uh, a pilot, and and recognize that there may be some underlying addiction issues or or substance abuse, uh, that's almost a very important call to get the the mental health professionals and the the medical professionals engaged much quicker, because they are the best people to to support those people at that point. You know, um, pilot peers are, are, are the catalyst, the conduit for that, but they can't really do that work themselves so it's about knowing where to get that support and, and help people with that those sort of issues sure
0: no that's a that's very important and i i know it, it varies from uh, company to company airline to airline and and like you said uh, especially in the us uh, you've got your major major airlines uh, part 121 operations uh, all the way down to your corporate and uh, you know smaller flight departments that are that are private maybe one or two pilots and that's uh, just having access to those resources, I think, is important, and there there is a lot of discussion about that. And and being able to take a look at what's available to you is is great. And so, um, I I think it's uh, important what uh, CAA is doing uh, in terms of codifying this with regulation and helping to destigmatize uh, the mental health considerations. Uh, you know, there's obviously a spectrum, and and we we know that. Exercise and, and uh, sleep uh, and eating right are all important, but uh, just as important as, as keeping our mind in the game and, and healthy as well. So I think that that's definitely something that uh, as as type A mission-oriented personalities, we need to really focus on because we, we can only compartmentalize and, and ignore the problem until we can't, uh, in which case uh, we want to make sure that we are uh, oh. thinking about that well ahead of time. Um, well, it, I really appreciate your time, uh, Nick, and and the the knowledge that you've been able to share with us and, and your experience here uh, w- with this topic. I know it's something that uh, at TPN, we really want to uh, help bring shed some light on it and and get people talking about the, the things that are important, whether that's increased automation in the cockpit. Uh, professional development or or mental health issues as well. Those are all important. So I'll make sure to have uh, great links down in the show notes. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you uh, or more information on, on anything we've talked about, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh, Matt, thank you. I would uh, very welcome anybody to contact me. Uh, probably the best thing is my email address at work, which is nick.goodwin, and goodwin is spelled with a Y, at caa.co.uk.
0: Okay. And I'll make sure to, to put a link to that in the show notes as well. So uh, w- with that, I, r- I really appreciate everything you uh, have brought to uh, the table and, and shared with us. And, and we hope to have you on the show again soon, uh, maybe uh, after February when the, the regulation has has gone uh, active and, and we can kind of discuss where uh, how that is going and, and what's going on with that. So thank, thank you again for uh, taking the time to, to be with us today. And TPN, Uh, As always, uh, we encourage you to take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your crew and your passengers. Try as hard as you can, unless you're an aerobatic pilot, to keep the shiny side up and the dirty side down. Fly safe, everybody.